Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this glorious, wonderful morning. Thank you for this weekend where you get to celebrate the independence of this great nation. Pray that you would help us all to honor you and all the things that you have called us to in this place. We trust you, Lord. We love you. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and we know that you are present, uniting us all in one spirit, your spirit, Lord, even as we are uh, much further away from each other than we would normally be gathering for worship. We trust you, Lord. We love you. Amen. All right, so we are um, in Exodus 18, which is one chapter. Oh, sorry, please be seated. Uh, We're in Exodus, unless you want to stand throughout the sermon. It's only 95 out here. You can, 18 minutes, you can, <laughs> could be like a survivor. All right, um, so we're in Exodus 18. Uh, and Exodus 19 and 20, we get the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, this incredible uh, moment where God speaks his law more clearly than he ever has before to his people. And in Exodus 18, we get the establishment of a system of, of judgment, a system of a legal system, a political system to administer that law and judge that law. It's a less famous passage, but um, in some ways it's, uh, it's, it's closely related to the, the giving of the law in Exodus 19 and 20. So I want to talk about this, uh, this giving of this system, this, this group, this administrative uh, political system of people organized underneath Moses, underneath God himself, who is the king of this people, Israel, that he's claimed for himself out of the nations. Uh, and I want to talk about it in terms of this idea of justice, that God is trying to give to his people justice, to allow them to live in justice. And justice is something that we as human beings desperately need. The idea of justice biblically is connected to the idea of order and to the idea that God has a will for his creation, that he has made uh, all of the cosmos, all of the creation to fit into a particular order so that every different piece matches. And it's not one aspect of creation does well, and in order to do well, it destroys something else. It's all meant to fit together and to flourish in harmony. And justice is the idea that each element in that system plays its proper role. Each receives what it is due. And so we can see our need for justice, uh, especially in a, in a human community. That's the most obvious way to see how justice would work. Um, and uh, there are innumerable examples of that. And it's very easy, uh, especially today in this political climate, for everybody on both sides of the aisle to play, especially during the coronavirus. We get to play a lot of armchair quarterback to every different decision. And it doesn't matter what your political positions are. You get to everybody's angry at somebody about the way they've perverted justice. And we, from that, we can see just the desperate need, this desire that we have for it. And here is God trying to give his people a system of justice governed by his perfect law. Well, now, in order to have justice, and I want to get into the passage in one second, in order to have justice, you need at least three, three things if you think about it. You're going to need a law that's just. You're going to need a good law. But you're also going to need good leaders, because if you don't have leaders who are administering justice, you don't have judges who are interpreting the law and applying the law correctly, the law is dead letter. But then if you really want to have a, uh, a nation or a people or a community or a family or anything commu- characterized by justice, you also need a just people. Because if everyone's going to just disobey the law left and right, there's only so much that the law and the just leaders can do. Well, looking at this passage, 
right from the beginning, we can see that clearly we're not dealing with adjust people. We are missing that aspect of adjust people. Did you notice this at the beginning here? Look at verse 13. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. All day. They're in court all day, literally all day, just disputes, disputes, disputes. And it's not like this people has nothing to do. Okay, so they were just rescued from slavery in Egypt. Couldn't they be thankful and not arguing and bickering and getting into, you know, stealing things from each other and hurting each other? I mean, they just were rescued from slavery. God parted the Red Sea. This wasn't that long ago. And it's not like they're at loose ends. They're supposed to be traveling to the promised land. And yet... Here they are sitting down. They spend the entire day just on legal matters. Clearly, we do not have a just people. Um, People often make the point, and it's an important point, that the law shows the need for a savior. When you see the standard of justice, of what justice would actually look like, and then you begin to see, well, we certainly don't have that, you begin to see why it's necessary for there to be some kind of solution, the type of solution that Christ provides to um, our need for justice. I mean, this is Israel. These are God's people. If these people aren't just, what about the rest of the world? You think about uh, the types of things it says in Psalm 14 about the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And that's why you're in court all day. Nobody did anything good. They're all wrong. Everybody's wrong. (laughs) Lots and lots of problems. You know, they look back on history and they say that uh, that the, the great republic and then the great empire of Rome fell because of decadence and immorality. And if you look at the history of of Israel, that great nation, and this incredible kingdom in Jerusalem built up by David and by Solomon, that very clearly fell because of decadence and immorality. If you think just to the book Ezekiel, there's this incredible moment in the book Ezekiel where God takes the prophet Ezekiel on a a journey where he reveals to him what's going on in the temple. And he says, I want to show to you the injustice that's happening in this people, the people of God. And I'm not going to show you everything that's happening in dark alleyways or far away from where, where it could be observed. I want to show you just the immorality happening in the temple itself. And he walks him through all of these different rooms and all of these absolutely horrible things that I won't recount for you. It's too lovely of a morning to go through them. It's just just horrible things happening in the very temple. So we're lacking a just people. Now, it's also easy to read this passage and see the um, the standard of justice and think about being in a court of law. And some of us see that uh, and think, well, this sounds great because when when someone wrongs me, I definitely want to be vindicated. And we have to realize that uh, we all love to be exceptions to rules. We all ask for forgiveness. We all, if we're honest, see that we are part of this problem um, and that we we are in desperate need of something to establish justice inside of us because we are not just. 
We do have a just law. We do have a just law, at least in Israel. They have a just law. So we're looking at these three elements of what you need for justice. God's trying to give this gift of justice to his people. And we're going to see this amazing law that he gives in Exodus 19 and 20. Uh, and looking back on what happened with Israel, you have uh, the prophets, you have um, the New Testament looking back on that. And the judgment is that the law was not flawed. It was the people that were flawed. The law is perfect. Uh, in Romans 3, 5, Paul says that our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God. So we need three things. We need the law. We need leaders. We need the people. We don't have the people. We do, in Israel's case, have a just law. And here we have an attempt for God to provide just leaders and judges. So look at verses 20, verse 21 with me. Moreover, look for able men from all the people. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace." The first thing I want you to notice there is the connection between leadership and judgment. You know, in Deuteronomy, um, that's Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell speech when he's, he's speaking to the people of Israel before he, uh, before he ends his, his leadership over them by passing away. And he, um, he recounts all that they've been through together. And one of the first things that he recounts in Deuteronomy 1 is this moment of dividing the people into groups and setting leaders over each of those groups at each different level of organization. And uh, in Deuteronomy 1.13, uh, it's actually clear that these, these leaders are chosen from the tribes. He says, choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your head. So there's actually something of elective leadership here. Nice July 4th theme. Um, but notice the connection between leadership and judgment. What it looks like for these, uh, these people to be leaders over their community is for them to interpret and apply the law of God. And that's a model for leadership in general. Um, leadership for all of us, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, leadership is always about understanding how to honor God and his will in any particular set of circumstances among a particular in a, in a particular relationship with a particular group of people in a, in a certain workplace in a certain um, conflict it's always about judgment interpreting how to apply the law that God has set out because remember think back to what I said earlier about justice and about how justice is related to order to this vision that God has for how everything can fit together and flourish all as one. And each of us need to be part of that. We are each second chair leaders in the way that these um, men appointed were second chair leaders. Second chair leaders are leaders who lead underneath a first chair leader. They don't set the vision for the organization. They implement the vision of the first chair leader and then build on that and then find ways to expand it, find ways to, to make it go well. Moses himself was a second chair leader because God is the king of Israel. And then he appoints all these other leaders who aren't just going off on their own. They're following their first chair leader, Moses, who's following God. And then each of us also have positions of leadership 
You may have a position of leadership in a workplace, you may, and it's very obvious that you're a leader. But you may also have a position of leadership in your family, or among your friends, or in your school. We all have positions of leadership, and in each of those positions, we need to be second chair leaders referring back to the first chair leader God and trying to implement his vision for reality his vision for how all of these parts can fit together that seem like they are in conflict. Now, if you're in a position of leadership, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're great for that position. You know, the Bible often talks about how uh, God chooses the weak things to shame the strong. So you may be in a position of leadership because you're perfectly equipped for it. But you may also be terrible for that role. It's possible. It's at least possible. Uh, Moses didn't think that he was very well suited to be the leader of the people of Israel. He said, I'm not a good speaker. I, you know, I, I killed a man. I've run away from my people. Why would you choose me? And God doesn't, say, doesn't run through his, his virtues and say, no, but you're so, you're so handsome and you know, people like you, you're a people, but he doesn't do that. He says, I will be with you. That's the answer, right? So, and, and this same thing happens with Paul, with the great apostle Paul. He says um, that he, uh, he was struggling with God and struggling with um, an issue that, that he had. And he heard from God that uh, my, um, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Meaning that in, your, in, in, in our roles, in our, our places where we have some position of authority or influence, we need to recognize uh, our own inadequacy and our own failures and our own mistakes and rely on God to make his strength perfect in our weakness. And the leaders of Israel really needed that lesson very, very badly. We have in this passage this emphasis on choosing people who are trustworthy, who won't pervert justice. And yet, one of the main things that happens in the story of Israel is its leaders perverting justice. Think about Ezekiel 34. I was talking about Ezekiel a moment ago. Here's another part of Ezekiel. God is talking to the prophet and he says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Say to them, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And then God goes on and says that, that he himself will become shepherd to his sheep. He says, I myself, myself will shepherd my sheep. Well, how can God solve this problem of, of a lack of, of just leaders? He himself becomes the king of Israel. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So the gift to the people of Israel isn't just the law, it's also Moses, this leader, who will implement the law with justice. And the promise of a prophet like Moses, who God will raise up, and the first prophet like Moses that God raises up is Joshua, who leads the people into the promised land. And Jesus, the name Jesus, is Joshua. That's his name. It's Joshua. It's the same exact name. He is the one who leads his people into the promised land. This is the prophet who is like Moses. When Stephen speaks uh, to a crowd in Acts 7, he says that he quotes this passage about raising up a, a prophet like Moses and says, Jesus is this Moses who God raised up. 
this leader to bring justice. The book of Hebrews also picks up this theme, and the book of Hebrews links us back to this idea of being in the wilderness. Because when it picks up this theme of, um, of Jesus taking on this role of the, the leader who leads into the promised land, it points out that God says in the Psalms, today strive to enter my rest. And the author of Hebrews says, well, look, if Joshua had given the people rest in the promised land, why would the Holy Spirit speaking through David many years later say, today, do not harden your hearts and strive to enter my rest. And he says, so there remains something we're trying to get to. There remains a rest that we're trying to achieve. So the normal position for a Christian is to be in the wilderness, to be in this position between rescue from slavery and entrance into the promised land. To be in a place not characterized by justice, where all sorts of things go wrong, where there isn't peace and harmony and health and health and prosperity and flourishing, and there aren't excellent leaders, and there isn't justice among the people. That's the normal position for Christians. And in some ways, going through hardship can remind us of reality. It can be dangerous not to see the reality of our journey. Uh, the great church father Augustine talked about this, this idea. He said that we are pilgrims and we face dangers on our journey, both from the evils in the world. That's obvious. Those are obvious dangers. But the goods of the world are dangerous too. Because there's a danger that we would focus too much on the passing, the temporary pleasures, and not enough on eternal goods. And so a little reality check that we are still on a journey toward the promised land that we haven't yet arrived could be a good thing. We need the solution that Christ provides. We need not only the law, but some idea of what exactly it would look like for everything to flourish. How can humans live together in harmony? We also need the leader, a prince of peace, someone who can guide us. And then we need justice among the people. And Christ provides that too. By reconciling people to himself, if we accept him as our Lord, he not only will, will guide us externally by providing a law and by being our leader, he will send his Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to change us into people who have the kind of love, the kind of divine love inside us that helps us to be just and to be kind and brings forth in us hope, joy, and peace, and patience, and steadfastness, and goodness. So Lord, we ask that you would be with us today. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit. We ask that we would all turn to you, recognize our need for you, Lord, we know you've called us to positions of influence and leadership, small and great. We know that we cannot carry out, carry out those positions well apart from you, Lord. But in you we can because your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So help us rely on you in these trying times. Help us to rely on you, especially when things aren't trying and when things are going well, Lord. Please help us to rely and depend on you even more than 
when it's not so obvious that we need you. Because we sure do, Lord, and we love you and we trust you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.